0: Favoritism was shown towards her, and I can imagine it wasn't a lot of fun, because it feels good when you're the favorite, but pretty awful when someone else is being shown favoritism, doesn't it? That's that's not fun. But what about you? Have you ever felt like the favorite, or maybe worse, you're the one is always felt like invisible. You're the one who's felt like you take the back seat. Maybe it's to some friends in your group, or maybe it's to a sibling where you feel like, man, I am never going to be able to live up to their reputation they've left me. My parents, my coaches, my teachers, I will never be able to meet their expectations thanks to that person, that shining child They're so athletic. They're so smart in their school. They just are good at everything. And you feel like you are destined to take the back seat to them every day. You feel like no matter what you do, you'll never be good enough because of them. It hurts, doesn't it? That's why favoritism is not good because it excludes people, it makes it unfair and it that leading us towards loving our neighbor as ourselves like God commands. And don't get me wrong. It is okay to have healthy it's okay to have favorite people in your life. It's healthy. It's good to have that friend group that you hang around a lot and you each continue to spur one another on and grow together and do life together. But don't let it become so bad that you begin to exclude others that don't look like you. That's when it becomes favoritism. That's when it becomes a problem. And today we're going to look at that problem through the lens of Scripture. So if you haven't already, you can turn to the book of James, and while you might still be doing that, I want to give you a little understanding of what this book is. The book or the letter of James is written by, you guessed it, James. However, what you might not know is this author, James, is the half-brother of Jesus. (laughs) Talk about a reputation to try to live up to. (laughs) I can't imagine what that must have been like. To live up to literally not just the perfect child, but the perfect child, right? Sinless. But because James knew Jesus so well, his letter is really a summary of all of his teachings kind of relayed in James' own words. So we see a lot of Jesus' teachings, and James gives them in a straightforward instruction on how we're about to live. And James tackles this idea of favoritism in his letter, Let's see what radical things James has to say about favoritism. The verses will be on the screen behind me. Starting in chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters. Didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that has been promised to whose, those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court. Don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you. Indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law, yet stumbles at one point, is guilty of breaking it all. We're going to stop there. Let's break down what James is talking about here, shall we? Since chapter 1, James has been creating this, he's been setting up this big idea that we are supposed to separate ourselves from the world. That's kind of a common theme throughout. There's a link between the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, and that is this. When James talks about the world at the end of chapter 1 and a couple more times during this letter, he's talking about, if you will... He's more so talking about how the world thinks things. At the end of the final verses of chapter 1, James says about this idea of being holy. And what James is meaning here in this, idea, this, this definition of holiness is that we are supposed to go against the grains of this world. Especially in how we treat others. And so he picks up in chapter 2 with this idea of favoritism, which is a way in which we treat people, Right? or could potentially treat people. Favoritism is a way we can fall into the ways of this world. Following along James' illustration, he talks about rich and poor people, right? But maybe, maybe you're like, I just, that doesn't connect with me. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know a bunch of rich and poor people and feel like they hate each other. How about we take, for the sake of that argument, and let's replace, just for a minute, a minute rich and poor with some other words. How about popular and unpopular? cool and uncool, people like me and people who are different, Christian and non-Christian, my friends and everyone else. Rich and poor doesn't quite hit home until now you substitute those words and maybe you're like, ooh, maybe I, maybe I do struggle with favoritism a little bit. Maybe I, I am guilty of that. It is because in the world system, you respect, you honor, and you treat well those who would benefit you most. So I ask you, is that how you live your life as a Christian today? Do you seek to only befriend those that can benefit you most? Or do you only hang around those that will elevate your social status? Would you stand up for the kid being bullied or hang out with the unpopular one even if you knew it would lower your social status at school or in the world? Do you seek out the lost and the hurt? That is what it would mean to go against the grains of this world. Are you doing that today? Because showing favoritism, listen, Showing favoritism is natural to us. It is ingrained in us, in our worldly flesh. And so you have to ask yourself if you're willing, are you going to walk the ways of this world or stand against the grain and walk against it like Jesus did? And that kind of moves us into our second part of this passage that should be understood. And In verse 5, James says, God chooses to bless the poor. And that might have stumped you like it stumped me when I first read this passage, where it's like, wait, so is this saying that God shows favoritism towards a certain social status? It's not actually what it means. There's something deeper going on here. And so James is talking about when God blesses the poor. We see that throughout Scripture, there's a common theme that the poor people of this world are not respected. They're not cared for. They're not loved by people. But get this, that was Jesus' favorite group of people to hang around That was the people that Jesus came to save. Why? Because of their attitudes towards him and their need of him. When Jesus was questioned as to why he was hanging out with sinners, he responded with this in the book of Luke. He said, Is it not those who are healthy, it is not those that are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The rich did not feel like they needed healing because they felt they were already whole and perfect and healthy. It was the poor people of the world that knew their need, admitted it, and sought the healing that Jesus was offering them. Quite a different perspective between the two, right? Whole and healthy, don't need a Savior, broken beyond all belief and in need of help. Two very different perspectives of Jesus coming, right? Right? And maybe if you do a little soul searching today, you'll see that you yourself were poor and in need of healing. In many ways, you are today as well. You needed a Savior to save you from your sins. You are the exact person, listen, you are the exact person Jesus came to save. You should be willing then to help those around you that need it as well. If you call yourself a Christian. If you call yourself and say you look like Jesus, you should be doing exactly what Jesus came to do. Not hang with the popular social highs, but to dig down, to get low, and to find the sinners in need. See, because you can wear the Jesus swag all day long. You can put Christian in your Insta bio. You can share that awesome prayer in your story. You can even captivate and grip some hearts about this really amazing God experience I had this week. But listen, until you get on your hands and knees, until you go and seek out the sinners, you are not following Jesus for real and you are not showing and acting and living and loving like the Savior you claim to follow. It is all good and dandy to have this perception of good, but until you are actually living out that life, helping those that need it, You're not truly doing what Jesus did. Something is not compatible. Favoritism and our faith are not compatible. Let me say it again. Favoritism and our faith are not compatible. Jesus continues or James, sorry, James continues to say, and he makes it very clear that favoritism is not cool. He actually forbids it. According to James, God isn't happy when we choose favorites or ignore people based on money or popularity or power. God is not happy when we mistreat, dishonor, Or exclude or fail to love someone because we see them as less important than us. You see how that connects with that rich and poor as we can continue to look at James' illustration. So to you today, I want to leave you with these last few thoughts. I want to really drive home that radical people do not show favoritism. Radical people do not show favoritism. And if you're not sold, why just yet? If what I have said has not sold you on that yet, let me give you two reasons why favoritism is not okay. In verse 8, James kind of delves into some really deep Old Testament stuff that I wish we had time for, but we don't. And so let me sum up what it is. He is He was saying this idea of the royal law prescribed in Scripture. He is referencing the book of Leviticus here, the book of laws that was given to the Hebrew people, the Israelites, as they were leaving Egypt. He is referencing more specifically Leviticus 19.18. Leviticus 19.18, when God commanded them to love their neighbor as themselves. More specifically, he is saying, when you show favoritism, you are breaking the law of God. And so James sums up by saying that if you keep this royal law, he says, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you are giving in to sin and you're breaking the law on two fronts. Two ways you're breaking the law when you show favoritism. And if we are calling ourselves and saying we want to be radical people that don't show favoritism, we cannot show favoritism for two reasons. And the first one is favoritism disrespects man. The word favoritism here in Greek means to receive according to the face. In other words, it means to make judgments based on their outward appearance. That is why James' illustration of a rich man and a poor man is told, and how the poor is told to sit at the footstool, to eat scraps off the table, because the rich man with the ring and the gold is welcomed with open arms to sit at the head of the table, but the poor raggedy man, no, no. That's going to hurt my social status. I can't let people see him at my table. Come sit on the ground by me. Such judgments break the law of love given in Leviticus and then Jesus later in the, script, in the, the Gospels. Favoritism can show itself in our context in many ways. Like I said, if you keep getting hung up on poor and rich, don't. Just go back to that list that we gave, right? Popular, unpopular, cool, uncool, Christian, non-Christian, my friends, others. Favoritism shows itself in our lives more than I think we want to admit. It does in mine. So let's say you walk into a room and there's two tables. You're standing at the door and there's one table full of people that look exactly like you. Whether that be Social status, family lifestyles, skin color, hobbies, likes and dislikes, sports team, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. And then there's another table that doesn't look like you. You naturally gravitate towards the one that looks like you, right? You naturally do that. Why? Because your mind is saying this. One group looks like me, therefore it is safer. Therefore, because it is safer, it is more comfortable. And therefore, because it is more comfortable, I have more to gain in that group. On the other hand, when you look at the table that does not look like you, it says the opposite. It says, that table does not look like me, therefore it is not safer. Because it is not safer, it is not more comfortable. Because it is not more comfortable, I don't have anything to gain by sitting with them. And James is telling us not to respond in that type of situation like that. He says, don't judge by the outward appearance, what it looks like on the outside. But that's what we naturally do, isn't it? But if you go all the way back to the beginning of time in creation, it says that all people were made in the image of God. No matter what skin color, what social context, what family lifestyle, what likes and dislikes or hobbies, we are all made in the image of God. And so when we choose to judge by the outward, experience, outward appearance, we are showing favoritism based not properly on what scripture tells us about people. And so you break the law on that side that it disrespects man. But the second way is that you favoritism dishonors God. James tells us when we break one law, we are guilty of breaking all the law. And in the process of doing that, we are dishonoring the lawgiver himself. And when we do that, we are not loving each and every person that is made in the image of God, that is loved and cared for and seen by God. We are dishonoring His creation, therefore dishonoring the Creator Himself. We are dishonoring and hating and judging those that He loves, those that He sent His Son to die for. Scripture says, for God so loved the whole world that he sent his son that anyone who believes in him, not just the good person, not just the religious church goer, not just the Bible reader, anyone who believes in him, God does not judge you based on your lifestyle as to whether or not you can come to him and be saved and forgiven of your sin. So why do we make judgments on that? When we do that, we dishonor God and his plan of salvation for everyone in this world. So favoritism breaks the law on two fronts, is that it disrespects man and it dishonors God. And that leads me to one application point, and then we're done, I promise, we're almost there. When we show favoritism, we fail to see people as God sees them. That is it, that is the main point right there, that is it. When we show favoritism, we fail to see people as God sees them. And so at me to have this question for you. Aren't you glad Jesus did not naturally gravitate towards those that looked like him? Because if he did, we would be stuck in our sin without a savior to pull us out. Jesus came for the sinner, the tax collector, the lost, the broken, the persecuted. Jesus came to save anyone who believes in him. And that is the gift he offers you today if you have not done that. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, it is a free gift waiting for you. You can lay it all down behind and come freely to Jesus. He doesn't care about the baggage you bring. He wants your baggage. He wants your dirt. He wants to save you because he will not judge you based on what you have done. He does not show favoritism. And neither should we. Two questions as you walk away. Have I been guilty of showing favoritism to someone? Now that we've kind of summed up what favoritism is and looked at it in a real life context, are you guilty of showing favoritism to someone in your life? And secondly, do you only spend time with people who are like you? This week, evaluate your inner circles. Evaluate those you sit at your lunch table. Evaluate those that you hang out with. And ask yourself, do we have differences among us that help us grow to love others, or are we just exact copies of each other in our circles? Because our faith and favoritism are not compatible. We should not let it happen, because God, thank God, he did not show favoritism towards us. So let us not show favoritism towards the people we come in contact to today, this week, and forevermore. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for this time that we spent together. God, I pray that as we walk away from this, Lord, that, God, we would take what James says to heart, Lord. We would not show favoritism to people around us, Lord. God, we would not make judgments based on outward appearances, but, God, we would love each and every person on one standard, and that is that they are made in your image. Lord, let us not show favoritism. Let us go into this world and love each and every person as you have loved us every day, despite who we are and what we have done. Lord God, help us, give us the strength to love others, to not exclude them, and to welcome them in as Jesus has done to us. Lord God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Peace, students. You are loved, you are seen, you are valued, you are dismissed. Grab a TRO form from Mike at the door if you're planning on coming, and we will see you guys on Wednesday.